Second Samuel chapter number nine and uh, verse number one. And David said, "Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake?" There was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Micah, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Verse 13, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and was lame, on both his feet. Amen. Now let's go back to First uh, Samuel in chapter number 17. And I want to read verse 4 and then skip down to verse 8 and 9. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. As we've noticed, that's about nine foot six inches. Verse 8, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? And not I, a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you. Let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. I want to preach tonight for a few moments on this subject, the covenant that made the difference. God always deals with man through a covenant. And a covenant in the Bible is simply an agreement, a promise or a pledge that God makes with man. There's several of them throughout the Scripture that are very important. There is the Adamic covenant, where God promised to Adam that he would bring in a promise seed that would bruise the serpent's Head. Thank God for that covenant. There was the Noahic covenant in which the rainbow signified that man would never have to worry about a total world annihilation by flood. 
There was the Abrahamic covenant. There, Abraham would become a blessing to the world through a promised seed. Then also there was the Mosaic covenant, which involved the law. And this covenant said that there would come a righteous seed to fulfill all of those commandments which were in the law. And then there was the covenant between God and David, the Davidic covenant. It said that David would have a king to reign on the throne forever. And then last but not least, there would come the new covenant that Hebrews talked about in chapter number 12 and verse number 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, which speaketh better things than that of Abel. The new covenant, which was a covenant of grace. Now, I mentioned these covenants, but I want to say to you that really the heart of all of these covenants is the Lord Jesus, if you look at them closely. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the essence of every covenant. No covenant is of value unless Jesus is in the middle of it. And if you go back over these covenants, you can see the Lord Jesus. In the Adamic covenant, there is the promise of the power of Jesus over the serpent that would bruise the serpent's head. In the Noahic covenant, there is the promise of the preservation of Jesus during the time of judgment. Jesus is not only the seed, but Jesus is the rainbow. In the Abrahamic covenant, there is the promise of the provisions of Jesus through the seed. In the Mosaic covenant, there is the promise of the perfection of Jesus in that He alone would fulfill every jot and every tittle of the law. Thank God. He did not come to destroy the law. He said, I came to fulfill the law. He's the heart of that covenant. In the Davidic covenant, there is the promise of the perpetual presence of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. And then in the new covenant, there is the promise of the person and the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I'm glad that Jesus is the heart of our covenant. But the thing that I want to ask you tonight that is so vital and so important is what kind of an agreement are you operating under in your relationship with God? Do you have a covenant tonight? More than that, does God have a covenant with you and with your soul? It is the question of life and death. It determines our eternity. This all-important thing called a covenant or a promise from God. I thought about the song that said, Should I at the gate of heaven appear to answer the challenge? What claim hast thou here? What is your answer? Yea, what is your plea? With blessed assurance, my answer would be, 
All that I have is Jesus. All that I need is Jesus. All that I want, all that I need, yea, all that I plead is Jesus. Now I want you to note with me tonight, there are two covenants in these texts that I've read. Both Goliath and Mephibosheth were from family heritages that were enemies of King David. Goliath, of course, was from the Philistines who had been long-standing enemies of God and certainly of David. And Mephibosheth was the grandson of a man by the name of Saul who was an enemy of David. Yet, while it was within the power of David to do so, one was slain and the other was left alive. But as here, I want you to see the difference between life and death lies between the two covenants that we find. A covenant involving Goliath and a covenant involving Mephibosheth. And there are two covenants that are here. I want to point them out to you and preach on the covenant that makes the difference. First of all, I want to point out to you what I call the origination of these two covenants or these two agreements with David and these two men. Notice with me in 1 Samuel and chapter number 17. There is a covenant here. In verse number 8 and verse number 9, again, Goliath, the Bible said, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel. And he's fixing to make a covenant. He said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. Now look at his covenant. Look at his agreement. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. Now is that an agreement? But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. Now here is a covenant, and here is an agreement. And I want you to understand that I noticed the origination of the two covenants. I noticed that Goliath's covenant begins in his own mind. He conjures it up. He thinks it up. He plans it, and then he proposes it to David and the opposing army. But it came out of his own imagination. But when we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 9, We find a covenant here between David and Mephibosheth. 
But I notice that this covenant does not originate in the mind of Mephibosheth. But it originates in the heart of the king. And David said, Is there yet any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? The preacher has already said tonight that there are going to be many church members that will one day end up in hell. But, and if they do, it's going to be because of the faulty covenant that they themselves have originated and made with God. If man starts it, honey, it won't stand the fire of judgment. If man thinks of it and originates it and plans it, honey, it's not going to be acceptable to God. Goliath's in trouble from first base on because he has drawn up his own plan of a covenant. Woe be unto those of any religion, whether it be Baptist or any person in this world that would stand before God with a covenant or a plan that they have drawn up. The world is full of religion that man, religions that man has put together. Whether it is the Muslim religion, the Buddhist religion, or the Baptist religion, honey, they're all dangerous. If you're sitting here tonight, and you've got to think of some reason why God might let you into heaven, you're not going. I didn't think of some reason why God would let me into heaven. He thought of the reason and told me about it. The apostle Paul said, I was not told this by man. I didn't receive this by man. But it was a revelation of God. Honey, Mephibosheth, it was the farthest thing from his mind. But it wasn't a far thing from the mind of the king and the heart of the king. Honey, he had it all planned up and delivered it to Mephibosheth. I want to say to you tonight, the origination of a covenant is so important and so vital. This thing began in the heart of God. Goliath had a covenant and an agreement that originated in the valley of what became the valley of his death. No covenant that you ever draw up will give you life. It'll always certainly bring you to death. But I want to say to you that Mephibosheth had a covenant that originated in the throne room of compassion and of life. He would be delivered from his horrible situation. I think that Mephibosheth is so far different than Goliath in the covenant. Goliath had a covenant that began with him in time. It started right here in the text in verse 8 and verse 9 when it was proposed in time. 
But no covenant that starts in time will stand the test of eternity. When we come to Mephibosheth, we find that he has a covenant that started before or in past time. Maybe even before he was born. You remember back there in chapter number 20 when David and Jonathan came together and Jonathan said to David, David, if anything happens, I love you and you love me. But if anything happens to me, will you please take care of my young'uns? I don't even know if Mephibosheth was born at that time. He was certainly a young, young child at the time, I'll tell you, of Jonathan's death. But by the time that David gets on the throne, I'm going to tell you something. It had been past time, and it had been before time, that this plan was drawn up on the behalf of Mephibosheth. Salvation didn't start for me 32 years ago. That's just when I got saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I tell you, before the foundation of the world, God Almighty knew me and knew about me and drew up a plan of salvation to deliver me. And I didn't know anything about it. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I'm so grateful that I never had a plan when I came to Jesus. There's only one plan that'll work. I'm talking about there was a covenant that made the difference and it was in the origination of the covenant. If the covenant starts with you, honey, ditch it. Do away with it. It won't work. But if it begins at Calvary and the finished work of Jesus, honey, it'll stand come judgment day. Originated, originated with Him. Thank God. I'm talking about covenants. It makes a difference. You got one? You got a covenant with God? Huh? But not only do I notice the origination of this covenant that makes the difference, but I want you to notice the very foundation, the very essence of these two covenants that made the difference. Notice back in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. I notice a couple of things about the covenant that Goliath offers up to David. I notice, first of all, that it is a doubtful covenant. (laughs) Oh, listen. If I had some kind of a written, drawn-up agreement with God that I was leery of, I wouldn't trust it come judgment day. You need to have something that's 100% sure to get you through. But you can't ever make a promise to God that'll get you through. I'll tell you, several years ago, I ditched all them promises and New Year's resolutions. None of them will get you close to God anyhow. But he's got a covenant, but he's even himself. He's doubtful about his covenant. <laughs> Are you worried that your covenant won't stand? <laughs> huh? Notice how he words it. In verse 9, his covenant begins with a big if. <laughs> he's got an iffy covenant. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. If he did, he wouldn't have to say if. <laughs> 
If he be able to fight with me and if I prevail, it'd be amazing how many people are hoping somehow they're going to get into heaven upon an iffy basis. Well, if I'm good enough, and if I do good enough, and if I do what I ought to do, and if everything turns out all right, and if the scales just even out and maybe tip a little bit, if everything turns out all right, preacher, uh, we might make it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going. Amen. Huh? If, if, he's got a doubtful covenant to begin with. If, if, they asked one fellow if he, if he was saved, he said, well, I've been saved off and on 20 years. Yes. <laughs> the last covenant was founded upon questions. There's nothing certain about it, nothing sure. But see, honey, there's nothing certain and sure about you anyway and your promises and your abilities. None of it. If I can do it now, if I can hold out to the end, if I, if I pray through, I'll tell you, you're just not going to make it because, honey, the covenant of God Almighty does not depend upon your ability. It's based upon the fact and the truth of your inability. Yes, sir. Thank God. It's a very doubtful covenant. But I want you to notice something else about this covenant. I notice it is a personal covenant. Now, I want you to understand this. Goliath doesn't send somebody out to make this covenant for him. But in all of his pride and arrogance, he stands up and he stands so tall. In the audacity of his pride, he stands out and he makes the covenant himself. He faces David himself. And he makes known the covenant himself. Well, somebody said, ain't this thing supposed to be that way? Don't we have a personal approach to God? No! Amen. There ain't a man on earth that's Amen. ever lived that could personally stand before God. Amen. Honey, Goliath had a two-party religion. Yeah. Him and God. You ever hear people talk about me and God? You don't ever want to get along with God. <laughs> well, then it'll just be God. You'll be gone. Huh? Yeah. You see, man's religion is always deals with his approach unto God. His personal approach unto God. Seeking God. Looking for God. Trying to come into God's presence. You're not worthy. You'll never be accepted. And I'm going to tell you, Mephibosheth never had the audacity to come personally into the presence of David and make some kind of covenant with him. He got in on a three-third party religion. Old times, all other religions are all the same. They're two-party. Care who they are. Man's approach to God. But old-fashioned salvation is a three-party religion. Three-party religion. Yeah. David said, is there anybody left 
of the house of Saul. That's what he said. Now read it there in the text. If, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness for his sake? No. Honey, he's not being good to Mephibosheth because of Mephibosheth. That's right. He's not being kind to Mephibosheth because Mephibosheth's sick. Yeah. He's not being kind to him because he's scripple. He's being kind to him for Jonathan's sake. And if you take Jonathan out of the picture, honey, he's no better than Goliath. That's right. That's right. It's a three-party religion. Thank the Lord. And the Bible said that he said forgiving one another even as God has for whose sake? Not for your sake. Amen. God hasn't forgiven a one of us for our sake. That's right. We hadn't done anything worthy to Amen. receive the remission of our sins. He said, I will forgive you for Christ's sake. And you take Christ out of the picture, honey, there's no forgiveness. I said it's the covenant that makes the difference. Yes, sir. He, Goliath, has a covenant based upon his personal approach unto David. But I'll tell you, Mephibosheth has one that's not based upon himself, but it's based upon another. Makes no difference if he can stand or if he can walk. Makes no difference who he is, what his background is. Makes no difference where he comes from, honey. He's getting in for Jonathan's sake. Oh, I'm glad tonight. I know, don't misunderstand me. I, I realize that if we're in Christ, we're a new creature. And Christ living in you gives, the, gives you the energy, energy to serve. He is our energy to serve God. But I'm going to tell you something. Heaven's not accepting us upon our merits and our abilities and how good we are. And so many times the devil will come and say, you're not worthy and you're a low-down scoundrel and you deserve hell. And I say, amen, devil, but I'm not going upon that merit. I'm going because Jesus died for my sins. That's good preaching. That's the foundation. I'm glad that I've got a covenant that is not dependent upon me. But it's dependent upon the perfection and perfect work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's why I don't have an iffy religion. It ain't if I live right and if I do good and if I keep on preaching, if I hold out to the end, honey. He said when he hung on the cross, it's finished. Nothing to be added to it and taken away. There's no ifs in that. Matter of fact, the Bible said we are seated already in heavenly places. Huh? No if about it. The covenant. The covenant was settled in my soul. Thank God I'm reminded of what Paul, when he wrote to Philemon concerning Onesimus. And I thought about that third party religion. He said, if thou count me therefore as a partner, receive him as myself. And if he have wronged thee or oweth thee all, put that to mine account. <laughs> oh, I've got a third. Honey, I'm not, I'm not 
planning on when I get there, God's going to pull out the big scales. And then on them scales, He's going he gonna to put my good works on one side and put my bad works on the other side and I'm going to sweat it out while He's waiting. Well, I don't tell you how that turned out. All my righteousness is as filthy rags anyway, honey. It'd be like that. That's right. There ain't no scales in heaven. Nothing needs to be weighed. I'm getting in on the perfectedness of Christ. Thank God. Now that's old time religion. It's got a covenant in it. And Christ is the heart of the covenant. Wasn't it amazing that somebody like me raised like I was raised and all the hell I was raised in, taught like I was taught and all those other things, could stand before you with blessed assurance and tell you that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born in the Spirit. Huh? I feel a little hum in my heart tonight. Oh, I say, Goliath could stand. The Bible said he stood, and he stood tall. And I noticed that Mephibosheth couldn't stand because he was lame. But honey, that didn't make any difference. He was standing in another. He couldn't walk the walk. That's right. But he didn't have to. Jonathan had already walked the walk. Yeah. <laughs> huh? yeah. He couldn't love the love. But he didn't have to. Jonathan had already loved the love. Huh? That's good. Everything that had needed to be done had already been accomplished in Jonathan and he got in through him. And when David looked at him, he didn't see a crippled boy. He saw Jonathan. I say to you again, he couldn't walk the walk. But honey, Jonathan had already walked it. And I'm telling you tonight, I can't walk the walk, and I can't talk the talk, and I can't live the life, but it makes no difference. He's already done it. I'm walking in Him. I'm talking in Him, honey. I'm a living in Him. <laughs> Woo! I feel... Thank God! I'm talking about a covenant already settled in Jesus. He's worthy. A covenant that made the difference. I got one, ain't you? I'm not going to go back to the motel tonight sweating it out. It's already settled. As a matter of fact, David could take old, John, old Mephibosheth aside and say, Mephibosheth, I know you're crippled, son. I know you don't know me. We never had no relationships. That's all right. You may not ever even love me. But I'm going to tell you something. Your daddy, lo- your daddy loved me. And that's what makes a difference, thank God. I wonder if I've ever loved him like I ought to. Oh, yeah. 
But I'm not getting in on whether I love him or not. I'm getting in on the love of the Son. Already been a covenant, signed and sealed. And he said, thank God, is there anybody left? And the Holy Ghost said, yeah. Way back on the back side of the hills in West Virginia, I know where there's an old boy yeah. that needs to get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he come after me. And he carried me. The covenant I've got, honey, will carry you. Yes, well, you can't go yourself. Yeah. Huh? I got a covenant that'll come after me and take me to him. Sure it will. Huh? <laughs> huh? That leads me to point out to you, last but not least, the operations. Not only the origination and the foundation, but the operations of the covenant. I'm glad I've got more than dead religion. I've got more than just a bunch of dead principles. But I'm glad I've got a living truth that operates in me tonight. This covenant is alive. If you'll notice in chapter number 9, how the covenant pursued him. Over in the mountains, we'd say it went at him. The covenant pursued him. I say to you again tonight, you can't ever take one step toward God. But you don't have to. He'll come after you. The covenant went all the way down in Lodibar, the house of no bread, in the wretched place where he's at, and picked him up. Brought him out of that mess. Well, that's a good covenant, ain't it? That's a covenant that's worth something. Huh? Not only did the covenant pursue him, but the covenant provided for him. Did you notice what he said to him? In verse number 7, And David said unto him, Fear not. (laughs) Don't worry about it, boy. I know your granddaddy was my enemy, but you don't worry about it. You're not my enemy. You stand in another. For I will surely surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. (laughs) Said you don't have to buy it back. You don't have to do anything to get it back. But everything that was lost... It's going to be given back to you. It's in the covenant. Read the covenant and see if it ain't in there. It's in the covenant. A written agreement that everything that was lost will be given back to you. Ain't that something? Boy, that's the provisions of the covenant of God Almighty. Grace is never satisfied until you get it all. Honey, this covenant ain't bringing him up there cutting things up in pieces and say, you know, this way now don't get... Oh, he said, honey, you're going to get everything. Huh? 
And in our covenant, it is written, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you what, a man ought to be considered a fool to have a wife and four youngins and step out of a Baptist church where they paid him well and took care of everything, bought him a car, and, I mean, just took care of everything, and walk out the door into vandalism. Evangelism. <laughs> Man, I ought to be a fool to do that. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'm preaching on the basis of the covenant. That God said, for Christ's sake, I'll supply all of your needs. I got it already laid up in glory. Aren't you glad for that? I'm talking about this covenant tonight that makes a difference. It pursued him. It, position, it provided for him. But I like this. It positioned him. Verse 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Isn't that something? Man, why? I, uh, I can imagine if you walked into the dining room there, what a sight it would have been where the king ate. But around that table, it would have been like a who's who. Could you imagine looking around there at all them generals? Huh? All of David's big brothers alive and so on. Why you punch somebody and say, look over there. That's Joab. That's Joab down there. Huh? That, that's alive over there. Man, look at this crap. Now, I don't know if I ought to feel this way or not, but last week the preacher I was with, he had some, I mentioned it last night, had, had to go to the Capitol down there. And he took me in to meet several, we met the senators and some senators and congressmen and he even took me into the Speaker of the House. I felt like I was among the who's who, the political ring. I'm not going to tell you what I thought about it, but I, I was there. Oh, I felt kind of out of place. <laughs> I was sitting in the secretary or, or the speaker of the house's office, and uh, some guy came through. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I was talking to my wife on the phone. I was telling her where I was at. And he went to shake hands with me where I had the phone in my right hand, so I just offered him my left hand. And I always say, buddy, that's just my thing. How you doing, buddy? So my wife heard me shake Senator or somebody's hand, and I say, how you doing, buddy? And she said, honey, that's not your buddy. Those are not buddies up there. They're senators and congressmen, not buddies. <laughs> and I sort of felt out of place. But I'll tell you, if you could look around that table, you could see all of those 
who would be named among the who's who in David's army as far as generals and his family and all that. Strong men, mighty men, great men. Right around that table, you could see an old boy by the name of Mephibosheth. Huh? And you know what? The scripture said he is lame on both feet. They brought him in. They set him down at that table. And the tablecloth came down across the table. And honey, while he was sitting at that table, you couldn't have told a bit of difference between him and anybody else. He was sitting at the king's table among the who's who. And he was who. Because David had welcomed him and made it so. <laughs> you imagine that old boy sitting there now? Among them fellas? Huh? Joab, pass the biscuits, would you? Down here. Alive, how about a little more gravy, please? Is there any more chicken? Check to see if there's any more chicken. Huh? Said he ate at his table continually, and I believe he ate as much and all he all he wanted to eat. Hmm? If he wanted more gravy, they brought more gravy. If he wanted more chicken or potatoes, they brought more chicken or potatoes because it was in the cabinet. You don't quit bringing to the boys' fall. <laughs> in the covenant, he gets all the gravy he wants. Huh? He's positioned. And can I say to you tonight that if you got the right covenant, you've got imperfections. You may not want to talk about them tonight. We've all got them. We all wrestle with them. But honey, when God looks at you and He looks at me, He doesn't see us. He sees the righteousness of His Son. And we're numbered among the who's who in glory. Hmm? One of these days we'll sit at the big table. Amen. And I'll look down and say, Hey, Paul, pass the chicken, would you? Yeah. Peter, how about some gravy? Yeah. Somebody said, Well, now wait a minute. Who's he think he is? Oh, I said, Listen, he's in on this thing just like we are. Yeah. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Jesus let him in. Huh? Complete liberty. All because of a little covenant. I may be a nobody, but I'm going to tell you something. I got friends in high places. I said there's a covenant that makes a difference. 